This morning I'm continuing a message I started last week entitled Proclaiming the Good News. Uh, our text is from Mark the 16th chapter, a very familiar verse of scripture where Jesus, before he was ascending into heaven, looked at his disciples and gave them this final challenge. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now, as I said last week, what we've done in uh, recent decades is it's all about trying to teach people how to fulfill this proclamation. And what we've done is try to, you know, come up with uh, methodologies on how to share your faith and tracks to hand out and, you know, how to uh, engage in debate and argument and sharing spiritual truths. And while I think some of that is absolutely fine, I think it misses the point. True Christianity, true proclaiming of the gospel isn't about engaging people in debate. It's not about shoving tracts in their faces or cleverly convincing them they're going to hell. There's good news every day. It's about experiencing God. Now we looked at last week when Jesus started to preach the gospel. The Bible says that he went about telling people to repent, turn away from their sins. Why? Because the kingdom of God is near. Jesus said, you need to turn from what's wrong. Why? Because God is here. God is near. And it wasn't just an argument in a debate. People didn't go, really? How, how can you prove it? All right. What he did is he started to touch people's lives and they began to experience God. That was the proclaiming of the good news. That was the proclamation going on and people actually experiencing God. And we looked at some of the scriptures last week of how Jesus did that. It wasn't always dramatic. Some of them were incredible miracles. Some of it was just as we read last week, the story of the woman at the well. He's sitting there just talking to this lady, starts telling her stuff that no one could have possibly known. Uh, and it just totally touched and transformed her. Uh, sometimes you can experience God even in the smallest of ways. And we'll get to that as we go through this series. But um, without question, the whole point of the gospel, the reason and the way that they changed the world was that people experienced God. It wasn't just some new philosophy. You know, oftentimes people, you know, uh, talk about Jesus, you know, well, I don't know if he was the son of God, but he was a great a philosopher. You know, a great philosopher. It was his philosophy that changed the world. I love watching these history things when they talk about the spread of Christianity. A new, a new philosophy. It wasn't a philosophy, you nimrods. It was people were touching God and being touched by God. Do you know Jesus? I mean, stop and think about it. If he was a philosopher, he was one whole yo mama philosopher. Because most of these philosophers, they spend their whole lives. And they get followings. And they have great writings and books and teach. And they'll spend 20, 30, 40, 50 years doing this. Jesus' ministry was three years. And he wrote nothing down. Isn't that amazing? He wrote nothing down. He didn't have to. Others would write of him. In three years, he transformed the world. Do you think it was just because of his philosophy? Now, without question, his message was life-changing. It was incredible. And without question, even on just a philosophical level, Christianity bests the best of religions. But it wasn't philosophy. When they prayed for people, stuff happened. It was like, wow. Circumstances would turn. Situations would change. God was near, God was real. And it's a huge mistake 
for Christians who think they're going to go proclaim the gospel to make it about just tracts and ideas and concepts and arguments. People need to experience God. And we've got to get back to that. That's how the gospel is preached. Now, I want to pick up where we left off last week as, as we're going through the uh, New Testament or the Gospels here, uh, looking at some of the significant times where Jesus uh, had ministered to people uh, in various ways. Um, I want to look at John, the ninth chapter. Now, this is kind of a neat story. I like this story because while Jesus was often surrounded by people who were crying out and calling for attention and wanting needs and Jesus met their needs. If they were sick, he'd heal them. If they were brokenhearted, he'd comfort them. I mean, the people would experience God in unique ways. But I love this story because this guy didn't even ask to be prayed for. And (laughs) Jesus just splashes the kingdom of God on him. We, We read about it in John, the ninth chapter. It says, as he went along talking about Jesus, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, some of his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. I mean, somebody must have done. Somebody did something terrible. Surely somebody did something terrible for this tragedy to fall upon them. Which is a mistake, by the way, in thinking. But Jesus said, well, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. What work is that? Splashing the kingdom of God around, causing people to experience God and to see lives that have been touched by the hand of God. Night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said this, again, now this guy's just sitting there. He didn't ask for anything. Jesus goes over and he spits on the ground. (laughs) I think it's kind of funny. And he made some mud with the saliva. Now, I don't know how much spit you got to come up with to make a bunch of mud. But... uh, Pastor Rod over at Stevens Point texted me after the first service and said, how much spit is that? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I thought, you know, this is, you know, woo, man, he's spitting it up, man. Making this mud. And then he goes up to the guy and sticks the mud on his eyes. And then he tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'd be thinking, if you hadn't put mud in my eyes, I wouldn't need to wash. <laughs> so the man gets up. Gets away from Jesus. He knew it was Jesus. That's about as much as he knew. Some teacher didn't think of him as the Messiah. He wasn't having faith. He just goes, the guy puts mud on his eyes with spit. Goes over and washes his eyes. And after he washes off and, and opens his eyes, he can see for the first time in his life. Um, this is dramatic, right? This is like, wow. Well, his neighbors and all... Those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Whoa, isn't that the guy that used to sit and beg? And some claimed, Yeah, that, that, that's him. And others said, No, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, No, it's me. I am the man. Well, how were your eyes opened? They demanded. And he replied, Well, the man they called Jesus made some mud and stuck it on my eyes. Told me to go wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. We have to understand, this makes no sense to anybody. I mean, they kept asking him, how did he do it? He made some mud, spit, stuck mud in my eyes. Well, it makes no sense. Why did Jesus do that? I have no idea. Why didn't Jesus just go, boom, and he could see? I don't know. I just think God has a fabulous sense of humor. <laughs> Hakalugi, spit some mud in his eye. Like, what kind of mud was that? You know. And that's people, you know. But if we did something like that, if I 
made some mud and stick it on people's eyes and all of a sudden, or on your head, and all of a sudden, uh, we saw a miracle. You know what you'd all do? You'd all run over and want some of that mud. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You'd, we'd have a big, we'd sell mud. <laughs> if you ride in today, we got holy mud. It's special today. God's going to anoint this mud. This mud will change your life. Which is a mistake. We make it about the stuff instead of about God. I think that's why Jesus kept changing things up. Kept doing stuff different. Why? It's not about the stuff. It's about me, he's saying. It's about God. So I said, listen, guys, hock the loogie, tell me to watch. He said, well, where is this guy? He says, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, that's crazy. Quite the stir. I mean, this guy all of a sudden gets miraculously healed. It's like everybody's freaking out, you know? And, and then they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who'd been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And the religious people just had a cow about that stuff. You know? You're know, not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. They made it so religious. That's the thing about religious people. They take the basic truth and then they pile on it. And just make it about a whole bunch of stuff that it's not about. It just becomes oppressive to people. That's what these Pharisees did. And they were so, so paranoid about the, 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 the Sabbath. You know, They literally would say, you, know, you have to count how many steps you make in a day. Because if you make too many steps, you're breaking the Sabbath. And all. When God never said any of that kind of stuff. They just loaded it on, making it about stuff that it wasn't. So anyway, the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. I mean, this is pretty impressive. And he says, well, he put mud on my eyes. And again, I think God's just grinning the whole time. And uh, he says, and I washed, and now I see. Again, makes no sense. Well, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, talking about Jesus. This guy, he's not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. They're more concerned about the Sabbath than helping people. That's religious. You know, religion is more about nitpicky stuff. It's about changing people's lives. And then, of course, others said, well, wait a minute. You say Jesus isn't from God. Well, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And they were divided. Some thought, well, he has to be from God. He's doing cool stuff. Nobody, well, he's not from God. He's not doing stuff right. Finally, they turned again to the blind man and said, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man said, I don't know, I I guess he's a prophet. And the Jews still not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. Until they went and sent for his parents. So go go get his mom and dad. This can't possibly be true. And the parents show up and he says, is this your son? How is it? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? And the parents said, well, we know he's our son. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him yourself. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. had already decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Christ would be kicked out of the synagogue. They said, well, you ask him. They didn't want to make any statement themselves. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Surely God did something. It wasn't Jesus. It's not Jesus. You know, people, by the way, they don't mind you talking so much about God. So you talk about Jesus, they have a cow, they have a fit. You know, they don't want to acknowledge Jesus. I just praise God, don't talk about this Jesus, I got Jesus stuff, too much Jesus stuff. And the guy replied, listen, whether the guy's a sinner or not, he says, I have no idea. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You see, there's one thing about uh, philosophy and arguments and stuff. You can debate that stuff all day long. But one thing you cannot debate is when God shows up and does something in someone's life. 
Wow. How do you debate that? That's what gets people's attention. I was blind, now I see. That's all I know. And keep in mind, this guy doesn't know anything. He hasn't been to Bible study. He hasn't been to the new believers class yet. He hasn't even heard Pastor Mark. How can he know anything? He's dumb as a brick. He doesn't, he's look, I don't know. You guys are fighting about I don't know nothing. He said, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. And this was speaking rings to people. And I'm telling you, this is what the devil fears more than anything. The devil fears more than anything that you'll start getting what I'm talking about today. He is scared to death that people in celebration churches will actually start believing what I'm saying and actually start praying for people and see God touch people's lives. Because he can't stop that. There's no argument for that. Well, then they asked him, well, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? <laughs> this guy's just getting irritated by now. He says, I've already told you. You didn't listen. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples? And then they hurled insults at him and said, you're his disciple, this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Again, religious people are just like this, you know. Unless it comes from the way that they've always been taught, you know. Right, do you believe in Jesus? No, we don't talk about that at our church. Have you experienced God? I just, go, I just go to my church. You know, there's so, there's so another church. Unless their church, unless it happens to them, they can't get it. I got news for you. God'll end run your church, including this one. God will not be stuck in a box. Somebody say Amen. amen. God is bigger than any church, bigger than any group of people. Well, the man answered. Oh wait, wait. wait. So they, they hurled insults at him. He says, we know that God spoke to Moses, but is this fellow? We don't even know where he comes from. So they were having an issue. How can God use you? We don't know where you came from. You're from Wisconsin. How can God use anybody from Wisconsin? <laughs> Pastor Lathan said, Pastor Lathan said amen this morning, the first service when I said that. <laughs> He's from Africa. We're sending him back, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having, well, we don't know where he comes from. How can God use him? We don't know where he comes from. And I love this guy. He's, the man answered, well, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So here this guy, he's now he's preaching. I love this man. He's just preaching to these guys. He doesn't know anything. It's common sense. Oh, they got really ticked. And to this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Well, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. Then he went and found him. And Jesus said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. See, again, he had no idea Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. In other words, me. And then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Pretty wild. People experiencing God. I just love the fact Jesus went and just did all this in this guy's life. He wasn't asking for anything. And we continue to read through the Gospels. He's going around, he's just touching people's lives. Now, he was also speaking incredible words of power. I don't want to deny that. Without question, his words were like, wow. But oftentimes they would hear his words and they would reject his words. I mean, it was what really... God, people's attention was the power of God. 
I love this. I didn't give you guys this, this note to the uh, video people who do the uh, screens and stuff. But look at, look at John, the 11th chapter. I love this one. This, this is where Jesus, John 11, uh, verse 33. Jesus has come now and uh, he hears that his buddy Lazarus is sick. And, uh, and he just takes his time. He knows he can come and pray for him and heal him because everybody prays for him gets healed. So he's taking his time. You know, sometimes God will intentionally let the worst thing in the world happen to you. Sometimes God will intentionally let what you think is the worst thing that can happen to you happen. Why? Check out this story. It's exactly what Jesus did. He intentionally took his time getting there. Lazarus dies. Anyway, Mary uh, was uh, upset. Her brother. um, Let's see, where was I? Verse 32. Not 33, 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd have been here, my brother would have... You know, it's interesting to listen to people. People are very quick to tell you why it's too late for God to do a miracle in their lives. Have you ever noticed this? It's too late. You know, it's too late. You know, the doctor says it's too far gone. If it would have caught it earlier, you know, then God could have done a miracle. You know, my kid's too demon-possessed. You know, if, I, if we would have caught it earlier... I mean, he's insane now. He's just blathers. My, our marriage is too far, you know. Oh, Pastor, I, how many times have I heard this? Oh, man, I, I wish I would have heard you talk. Early in our marriage, you know, you could have saved our marriage. It's too late now. I want you to know something. It's never too late. It's never too late. You think it's too late? It's not too late. Sometimes God will intentionally make it look like it's too late. And even then, it's not too late. Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along. They were all crying. Everybody's crying. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse in the Bible. Next verse. If you're ever in a trivia contest and they ask, what's the shortest verse of the Bible? This is it. Jesus wept. Even Jesus cried. Everybody's crying. Everybody's good. I love this. In verse 38. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. Now, you have to keep in mind, they don't know what he's up to. They know everybody's sad. Even he's sad. He's, wow, he's even crying. Everybody's crying. It's too late. It's too late. If he'd have just gotten here sooner. Oh, if it had just, just been a little sooner, everything would have been fine. Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laid across the entrance. And Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha says, but Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He reeks, man. He's been dead for four days. I love this story. I love this story. Because, you know, sometimes I think people, they come up with alternate reasons why things might have happened. You know, if Pastor Lathan were to drop dead right now, I'm not prophesying, I'm just an analogy here. 
If we were to drop, I mean, stone cold dead, and everybody runs up and they can't feel his pulse and everything else like that, and oh my gosh, he's dead, call it, everybody would be freaking out. If I came and prayed for him, and all of a sudden he popped awake, you know what the majority of you would think? Oh, he just passed out. Come on, you sinners, you know you would. <laughs> now, he's not dead, he's just mostly dead. Now, Princess Bride, see the movie. Inconceivable! Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all see this movie? Princess Bride? Well, y'all need to watch this movie. It's a good movie. I just passed out, you know. But I love, I love this. Four days. You're pretty dead. <laughs> I think we've established he's dead. You know, it's not gas. It's not something. I mean, he's dead. Four days. Dead, 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 dead. So what are you doing? Jesus said, remove the stone. In verse 43, I love this. When he'd said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Now that had just to freak the willies out of everybody. They probably thought he just wanted to go in and see him. You know, why is he rolling away? Dude, he's, he's dead. Okay, go roll away. So he wants to see him. You know, Jesus doesn't go see him. Stands at the front of that tomb and yells, Lazarus, come out of there! Well, instantly they're probably thinking, oh, he's lost his mind. He has gone over the edge. You know what I'm saying? He was on the edge, you know, like Pastor Mark, kind of a little crazy, you know, but he's over now. Calling out to a dead man. And I love this next verse. The dead man came out. Oh, man. Oh, man, I hope there is instant replay in heaven because I have got to see this. (laughs) Mostly, I would love to see people's responses. Now, you have got to. I'm telling you. I am telling you. If we are at a funeral and and all of a sudden the guy, dead guy, sits up and looks. (laughs) I'm thinking, where do you suppose they want a back door here, man? Because I am plowing right through there. Sir, put yourself there. I, I think I would pass out. This guy comes hopping out, man. People had to be going, oh, heart attacks falling all over the place. Nobody was expecting this. I love it. He comes out and his hands and feet are wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Why? He's been dead. They wrap you up. In this culture, when you're dead, they wrap you all up and he, so he comes out. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like the mummy movie, you know what I'm saying? It's not like he came out and said, how y'all doing? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> seriously, man, I, I would be dying. I'd be it's the mummy! I don't know why y'all come to this church. I, 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 I just do what I do. Jesus said, take the grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a great analogy. What a great analogy this is. The guy comes, he's dead. He is dead, dead, dead. And he comes up and he's all wrapped up. He's all right, just like a lot of us. You know, the beautiful thing about Christianity, unlike any other religion in the world, 
Every other religion in the world, you want to become part of that religion, you got to study about that religion. You got to go to the classes about that religion. You got to say the prayers. You got to go through the rituals. You got to go through their whole deal. And after you've done it long enough and all, then you get into that religion and you practice that religion and you pray and you chant and you meditate all in an effort of trying to touch God. Christianity is exactly the opposite. We start where those cats are trying to get to. We start, you start by touching God. God touches your life. All of a sudden, whoa, you become born again. But you know what? You're still wrapped up. Some of y'all still got issues. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all, how many of y'all still got it? Let me see your hands, all you sinners out there. There you go, there we go. Still got issues. I come to church. I got saved. But I still got issues. Our job is trying to unwrap the grave clothes off of you. Set you free. That's why we're trying to preach this stuff. Of course, some of you come to church. I unwrap it. You get out in the parking lot. You wrap it back up again. (laughs) You do, you sinners. Stop that. I get to be praise God to get out. Hey, wrap me back up again, man. I don't know. And this was the cow. This is this, this, this is the cow. This, <laughs> this is the straw that broke the camel's back. This one, this one. Because when you read now, it says from that point on, that's when the Pharisees got together and said, "We have got to kill this guy. He's gone way too far now." You would think instead of going, "Holy cow!" I think the guy's got a case here. You know what I'm saying? You start raising people from the dead, been dead for a while. You got my attention. I'm listening to what you got to say. They were so hardened of heart, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. When he said, when that kind of power of God was touched, that's when we got to kill him. That's when they started conspiring to crucify Jesus. I'm going to invite all the ushers and stuff at the campuses to get ready to come and musicians get ready to come. Wow. So this is how these guys were, when he said preach the gospel, he wasn't talking about just sticking tracks in people's faces, being argumentative, just being religious, being a religious jerk. He's talking about splashing the kingdom of God. Man, I want you guys to get this. This is, I'll tell you what, if there's one thing the devil fears about this church, of all these campuses, I promise the one thing he fears the most is that you get this. He, if you actually get this, And we start going out and you start engaging people out there in the real world. And you start praying for people. And God starts touching people's lives. He's scared that that'll happen. Do you know why? Because once that starts happening, that's when the gospel really starts getting spread. That's when things really will start happening. And there won't be enough room in these places. We won't be able to start campuses fast enough. Look for opportunities. Man, when I'm out there meeting people and stuff in the world, I'm always like, how you doing? Whenever they say good, I always go, rats. <laughs> Seriously, I'm looking for the people that when you say, how you doing? They go, man, I don't know. it's tough. That's when I light up and go, really? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. When people are hurting, boy, they'll spill their guts to you. They'll tell you what they're struggling with. Haven't been able to find a job. Our marriage is in the toilet. My son's sick. My daddy's in the hospital. I don't know about this, that, and the other. And just say, man, let me pray for you. Pray for him right on the spot. 
Very few people, if ever, refuse to let people pray for them. And just sick God on them. You say, what's going to happen? I don't know. That's God's problem. But I'll show you what. God starts showing up and starts touching people's lives. Whoa. Now you got people's attention. That's the splashing. See, that's the good news. The proclaiming of the gospel isn't a drag. Most people think of, oh, I got to share my faith. What a drag. Oh, I got to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't know what to say. Dread, 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 dread. When you get this, it's not a sense of dread. It's, (laughs) 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 oh, cool. This guy's a mess. Come on. (laughs) I'll pray for you, man. You start seeing God. That's fun. This is fun, exciting stuff. That's what makes it the good news. Hallelujah. Okay, I got to shut up. (laughs) It's time to take communion, man. This This is what it's all about. We're focusing now on Jesus Christ. His body broken on that cross. His blood shed on that cross. Why? So we could have forgiveness of sins. So you could experience God. Isn't some religious argument here. I'm telling you, you can experience God today in your life. If you're here this morning, you're one of our campuses. You're thinking, wow, I, I go to church. I'm a nice guy. But, but have you experienced God? Has God really come into your life? Have you been forgiven of your sins and, and experienced his power in your life? So, well, I don't know about that. Well, then we're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to invite all, everybody bow their heads with me right now. and I'm going to invite everybody to pray this. But if you've never truly reached out and put your faith in Jesus this morning, I want you to do it. We're going to pray this prayer together. If you will believe this, Jesus Christ can come into your life and you can begin experiencing God for the first time in your life. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.